When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today I am joined for part two of our Peace Corps hoopla episode. Hoopla episode. Score extravaganza. That's right. Peace Corps 2, Electric Boogaloo. Everybody see you. What are you saying? It's Thursday night, and I am Ready tired. for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to go, and I am, I am going to just sit. I'm going to sit at the beach. I'm going to do a lot of satin. Just sit. I yeah. have bought... I'm going to show you. Your audience can't see this. So I'm a bit of a, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a bit of a peacock. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I have bought some new swim trunks for the beach. Yeah. I can't see uh, them. Well, I'm about to show you. And uh, these are the swim trunks. They're white. They're They're white white. swim trunks. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing big deal, right? But I also, I was like, you know, I like like them a little shorter. So this is the inseam on the- Oh, um, my God. Caroline says they're obscene. (laughs) They're obscene. Oh, She's, do you, you want a wife? Caroline has, has accepted this into her life. Um, all of my swim trunks are short. Um, are those are the shortest ones I have by about a half an inch. But Caroline, could you put oh. my, my, my flow? Your friends aren't even going to be able to look at you. They'll have to like um, dodge their eyes. in the bedroom, I think. I got to show you this other thing. Oh, dear listeners, I have found a wonderful thing. You know how, you know Crocs? You know what Crocs are? Everyone knows what Crocs are. Okay. Uh, do you know what loafers are? Like... Like Everyone loafers. knows what loafers are. So I found a company what makes loafers with croc material. <laughs> what the hell? And I'm about to show you these wonderful bad boys. That um, actually sounds like something I would like. So they make women's versions too. Um, they're called floafers. This is Flofers? not. The, they're called floafers. <laughs> not sponsored. I'm not. I'm not licensed or contracted with the floafers. This is a free. This is free advertisement <laughs> for floafers. Floafers, if you're listening. Oh my god, I love them. <laughs> They're amazing. So these are my oh, loafers. It's literally a loafer croc. Yeah, it's a it's a croc loafer. I want some. Those are awesome. They're like fifty bucks. They're super cheap. No, I don't know about fifty dollars. <laughs> that looked like a Dollar Tree shoe, but. No, they're know. well made. They're highly, they're well constructed, and they've got. Uh, That's amazing. You, you wear them at the beach. You wear them like you know, so you can have something to like go to the store in. That is the but, most prior thing. Please tell me you're going to wear the floafers with the oh, yes. literal bikini bottom that you oh, bought. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's oh, there will be much wearing of the floafers with the bikini bottoms, yes. Oh, my God. Wow. So, anyway, um, yeah, there you go. It's That's amazing. my advertisement for the so day. Much fun. Maybe you can get floafers to um, sponsor you. <laughs> you know what? I don't know. I don't know that they're looking for podcasts to sponsor on. Well, if your audience wants some wants some feedback on whether or not they should get flofers, the answer is a resounding yes. Mm-hmm. But not the trunks because those are atrocious. Um, they're not atrocious. Um, dear listeners, these trunks are amazing. They're very sixties. They're very sixties. Um, very short. I also have uh, speaking of the sixties, I have several pieces of cabana wear, which is terry cloth um, clothing that you wear at the pool or the beach uh, or to a resort of some kind. Um, so. I am uh, styling and profiling. It is hard when you drip this much in finesse. It's so. crazy. Do you know what I go to the beach in? 
I throw on a big a old moo-moo? t-shirt over yeah. top of my swimsuit and I just go. Do you go to Panama City Beach by any chance? No, I don't. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Kind of sounds like you do, but that's, <laughs> that is my opinion. That is my opinion. Oh man, great. <laughs> okay. That's so speaking of speaking of the beach and speaking of I don't actually know how I'm gonna make. I was gonna say, wait, what? How's that happen? When, when when last we met, when last we were together, oh oh a week ago, mm-hmm. we were talking about the Peace Corps and specifically the uh, direct aftermath of the speech, the impromptu speech given by JFK um, on the steps of the University of Michigan Union. Two weeks after that fateful impromptu speech on November the second, at a speech at the I'm not making this name up at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, California. And I tried to figure out what the Cow Palace was. Yeah, I'm going to need to know. So maybe you want to look that up while we're talking. Okay. At a speech at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, California, Kennedy proposed a Peace Corps of talented men and women. And Kennedy received, after that speech, uh, over 25,000 letters responding to his call saying that they would be willing to join. Have you figured out what the Cow Palace is? Yes, the Cow Palace is an arena and event center. And it's literally called the Cow Palace. Is it still called the Cow Palace? Yeah. That's a cool sign. I know. It's a way cooler sign than I would expect it. It's uh, you're, literally you're, like a huge. Like, it kind of looks like a like a hangar or like a. See. That's the that's the most cow palacey palace I've ever seen. Like if I was to picture an arena called a cow palace, that's that's exactly. Just for and for your listeners, in case they can't tell because of our deep southern accents, <laughs> um, is we're talk we're saying C O W cow like moo. What do you think they would think that we were saying cow no, ca- cow palace? Yeah, Cow Palace. Cow Wait, how would anybody else say it? Ca- I'm not what? saying they would. I'm, I'm saying they I'm going to try to say it northernish. Cow. 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 Palace. Cow. No. Cow is say, how you that's, say it. Yes. But a northern. But it could like, be like cow, cow. like C A L. It could Someone could be like the Cow like Palace. Cow. Yeah. Like California. Yeah. No, listeners, it's cow. Cow. I'm never going to not think about it when I say cow now. Do you not code switch for people who don't speak Southernese? Oh, no. Yeah, I get messages. Uh. So I've literally gotten messages before of people being like, I've never heard this word and now I'm going to say it. <laughs> I got one for, oh, I can't remember what it was that I said, but someone from Australia messaged me and was like, the way you say this is hilarious and it's now in my vocabulary. And I, I, I remember, love that. I remember thinking, that's the most normal word for me. It's so funny. I love it. I, um, I have a thing for for your listener in Australia, wherever you are. My sort oh, of weekly, I have to, I do a terrible Australian accent. However, um, Caroline will tell you that we watch a lot of baseball, lots of college baseball, mm-hmm. and um, when a ball is thrown and a batter effectively sees it and doesn't swing, and then gets maybe a walk off of those four balls, yeah, I will look to Caroline and I will say, "He must be from Canberra," and she'll say, "And why is that, Ryan?" And I'll say. Because he's got a good eye. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> he's got a good eye. But if yeah. you say it in an accent uh, of oh, Australia, it like, okay, I get it's it. like, I get he's it, I got it. a good eye. eye. Yeah. He's got a good like, eye. Like a, like a good eye. Like a good yeah. eye, but he's got a good That's eye. That's a good dad joke right there. Thank you. It only works at baseball games, but I, I think that fits. It, it fits. It definitely um, does. Anyway, so Cow Palace in San Francisco, if you want to go, Kennedy was there once. Yeah. Um. It's on my bucket list now. It's on the bucket <laughs> Put it at the very bottom. Yeah. No, it's at the top. <laughs> no, it's numero I'm gonna go uno. I'm going to go out front of the cow palace, and I'm going to ask people how they say cow. 
I won't, I'm kind of hoping this becomes a thing amongst your listeners, like a joke about the Cow Palace. Like, where, like, where are we going to, where are we going to, let's I all have a. If I ever do a live podcast tour, we will do it at, we'll start at the Cow Palace. You think we could fill up the Cow Palace? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> One can dream, though. One can only dream of filling up the Cow Palace. Yep. Um, yep. Basically, after this, he received 25,000 letters, uh, and he immediately took action upon being elected president. Of course, we already know that he was elected president. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Um, this action uh, was directly out of the response to the Cold War, though, right? And so uh, Kennedy had remarked in his early speeches that the Soviet Union had hundreds of men, women, scientists, physicists, teachers, engineers, doctors, nurses, and other professionals prepared to spend their lives abroad in the service of communism. And he felt that it was necessary for the United States to have another such group of goodwill ambassadors to go about the world spreading the goodness of democracy. The executive order he used to create the Peace Corps was Executive Order 10924. Um, and he basically saw this as a way to combat what he called or what he felt was the ideal of the ugly American or the otherwise known as the Yankee imperialist. Because remember, like, remember we talked about this before. If it happened between World War II and 1991, it it probably, if it happened, if something happened in the world, it probably had to do with the Cold War and probably had to do with the ideological differences between communism and, and, and democracy in the United States and capitalism. And so a few days after his inauguration, Kennedy asked his brother-in-law, one R. Sergeant Shriver, to lead this organization. And that's sort of Sergeant Shriver's claim to fame, is it not, Allison? I'm not... It's one of them. He was... Very philanthropic, and I feel like he and I mean, for profit, I mean, it's not like I mean, it was his job, but I'm saying he and his wife Eunice both just really fulfilled the public service call in every way, shape, and form. I, I really find them very inspiring. But he was, and um, Eunice was J John F. Kennedy's sister, sister, yes? and she's who okay. founded the Special Olympics. Okay. And so when the Special Olympics came around, he worked alongside her with that. But he, which is became, on right now, right? Is the Special Olympics still on currently? I'm not sure if it is. I think it might have ended last week. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sure. And then their son founded Best Buddies. So, I mean, it's they're just an amazing family. He actually started, he went to law school, and then he worked on the Chicago School Board. And then he ended up helping Kennedy with his campaign in 1960, and then became the director of the Peace Corps. And then he also worked really closely in Johnson's administration afterward, too. So, yeah, he's, he's a really cool guy. He is. Um, and thank you for, for filling us in, because I, I didn't I didn't know. Yeah, I need to do a whole episode on Sergeant Shriver, for you sure. You really should. And I, 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 also, I could just, do a few parts on him. His just because his name. Else. He actually was the, um, believe it or not, he was the inspiration for Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club, the album that the uh, Beatles um, came out with in the 1960s. Really? No. Hey, Allison, Gullible is written on the ceiling. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm tired. It's Thursday. <laughs> I don't know. God. I was she like, no way. That. I got so excited. She straight up, she like gave me this look like she was like, you're kidding. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's really cool. I'll have to insert a song here. <laughs> Don't edit this out. No one's going to think you're dumb. You okay? bet I'm editing this out. No. Oh <laughs> we'll see. Okay. We'll see how I'm feeling. Anyway, a few days after his inauguration, right, Kennedy asked Sergeant Shriver um, to to head up this newfangled organization called the Peace Corps. And Shriver began to recruit and organize members of the Peace Corps on his first trip uh, abroad. And he was initially invited to uh, India, Ghana, and Myanmar. Actually, in the book that I was reading, it called it Burma, but it's actually Myanmar. So 
We're going to call it by its, its name now. But at the time, historically speaking, if we want to be historically accurate, it would have been known as Burma. Present-day Tanzania, and otherwise known as Tanganyika, uh, and Ghana were also the first countries to participate after the original founding. The first group of volunteers showed up to the White House for a going-away party and speech by President Kennedy on August 28, 1961. And Kennedy gave them a, a personalized farewell address. Uh, I'm not sure if that's available, but if it is, you might want to insert a clip here. Here, leaving for Africa, a Peace Corps contingent has given a personal farewell by the President. The fact that you've been willing to volunteer, that you've gone through very uh, detailed, demanding tests, that you were willing to go uh, to Ghana and Tanganyika and other countries as time goes on, Americans who are without great compensation, all of you with special skills, which could mean that if you stayed home, you could pursue your own private interest, with a good deal of assurance of success. The fact that you're willing to do this uh, for our country and in the largest sense, as the name suggests, for the cause of peace and understanding, uh, I think should make uh, all Americans proud and make them all appreciative. Thank you. And then Congress officially approved the Peace Corps as an as a actual government agency on September 22nd, 1961. And so after this, after its founding, the Peace Corps becomes very popular, specifically initially with college grads, recent college graduates, you know, seeking to change the world or simply postponing their entrance into adult life or, or looking to be, you know, whatever you call it. There was any number of reasons. You look at the stereotypical Peace Corps member, and I don't know if you'd know, like, I don't think there's anyone in their brains maybe has like a oh, this is what I think of when I think of the Peace Corps. What I think of it, when I initially think of it, is usually it's used as a trope in TV shows and, like, movies over the last mm -hmm. 50 years to, to, like, signify someone who's giving up worldly possessions to go do good for the world. I think that's... what that's, I'm saying, that Shallow Hal reference I made in the last There episode. is. I don't know about that, but... He was, I think like, I, a good guy, and, like, of course right. he works in the Peace Corps. It was, right. like, that kind of thing. Well, the, one, the example I know of is that 70s show, I think, doesn't... Eric goes yeah. off... To join the Peace Corps, which yeah. starts that whole last season, which is terrible. But yeah, usually it's portrayed as young idealists, people who want to help, people who want to do good. And the Peace Corps wouldn't be officially made into its own separate or independent organization until 1981, but we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But it was essentially under under various departments for between 1961 and 1981. Um, it was it was a part of different governmental departments, um, not an independent agency. It was you know a part of other agencies, but. Basically, throughout the 1960s, very popular with college grads. And then the Vietnam War and Watergate, which as it did with so many other things, led to a really a big decline in the trust between young people and the American government. It's hard to quantify how badly the Vietnam War and, and then also specifically Watergate really undid America's sort of belief in their elected officials. And so the Peace Corps became sort of an anathema. Uh, it was seen as not, if it was a part of the government, it couldn't be trusted. We couldn't, we can't, you know, 1965 to 1980 is in so many ways like the time in the world that we're existing in right now. It's, it's uncanny. As anyone who studies history, if you're making parallels, you're making parallels to like 1974 right now in my opinion. And heck, even more so now with inflation and with uh, the, you know, the cost of goods and gas mm -hmm. prices and things like that, it's becoming harder and harder to deny the, the similarities, as well as the distrusting government. And Russia, for God's sake. Heck, Russia's a thing again. It's, I mean, it, it's 1974. And so it, it's, it's, that's, where, that's where it stands. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
In my opinion, therapy is helpful and necessary for everyone. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And as a special offer to Kennedy Dynasty listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash Kennedy Dynasty. You can find a direct link in the notes of this episode. That's betterhelp.com slash Kennedy Dynasty, K-E-N-N-E-D-Y-D-Y-N-A-S-T-Y with no spaces. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. So I wanted to talk a little bit, though, about how the Peace Corps actually works and what the intricacies of it are, just so that everyone's on the same page. So first of all, there's three things you need to know about the Peace Corps. First, a country must invite the Peace Corps to come to their country. So it's not just a group of, like, sprightly, young, idealistic people who get into this organization and come over to a country uh, on another continent and do work. You have to be invited. So the country has to want the Peace Corps there. Second, the Peace Corps decides based on its budget where it will and will not go. Okay. Uh, And third, the Peace Corps volunteers must have a promise of safety. So the country that they're going to must uh, basically be able to ensure that those people are going to be safe. We're going to talk about how that hasn't necessarily been upheld over the course of the last 60 years. But basically, as a Peace Corps volunteer, you receive zero salary, You receive no salary whatsoever. You're not paid for your time. You do get a small stipend for basic necessities, but the goal for you is to live alongside with and in the the places that you're going to help. So most Peace Corps volunteers live in the same type of housing that the the areas that they're going to live in. They eat the same food. They uh, drink the same drinks, and they receive basically whatever amount of money the average person in that area would, would receive. But despite all of those things, over 200,000 people have volunteered for the Peace Corps since its inception in 1961, and they have uh, engaged in uh, humanitarian efforts in over 139 countries. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. I, I can't, I mean, there's, there's very few things, articles out there that say the Peace Corps does bad work, like, it does, like that it doesn't do good work. But there are lots of problems with it. Elaborate. So yes. Oh, well, so we'll talk about this. So, yeah. So, um, <laughs> I was like, need to know. So, first of all, do you have any questions? Anything that you want, anything you're thinking about, anything that you want to throw out there? Yeah, I need to know the bad things. <laughs> okay. So, basically, they did a study of the Peace Corps in the mid 2010s. And one of the things they found so, there's lots of different things that happen. Usually, if you're joining the Peace Corps, you're not at risk from the populations that you're serving. Most of the time, you're actually at risk from the fellow Peace Corps members that you are like on location with. Specifically, they, had dis- they discovered in about in 2010, uh, that, you know, there had been over 1,000 either reported or unreported rapes uh, oh that had God. gone on, yeah, to, by, from, for female members of the Peace Corps. That's it's just, awful. it's, I, and, and lots of those were committed between in, a, actual members of the Peace Corps. There were some that were committed by, you know, local, local populations, but yeah, over 1,000 
uh, they discovered that, oh that either God. went reported or were unreported in combination. So that's not great. Um, no. You know, and it's very disconcerting if you're a woman who wants to join. Also, there have been criticisms in the recent past, especially in the last 15, 20 years, of basically the Peace Corps being an example of American exceptionalism. Essentially the idea, you know, even though we know that the Peace Corps has to be invited, it's still, there can be this sort of ideal of, oh, we're from America, we're smarter, we're better, um, specifically around the idea that the majority of Peace Corps members, the majority of people who join, are not professionals. They're not engineers, they're not lawyers, they're not doctors. They are young, idealistic college graduates who are going off and helping. Mm-hmm. And you, you, can you see where the, I mean, I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Like, the, can you see where, the prob- where that might be problematic? Well, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with volunteering and helping. So I think sure, it's on not. personal intentions and, you know, the person. And what right. my biggest concern is if there's an issue with safety. Like, I'm yeah, just Yeah, sexual still, assault for sure. Yeah, I'm still really. Yeah, I awful. wouldn't. I, I, yeah, I, th- I just, like I said, it's just not something. It doesn't, it, it appears that, that there's no, there's never a guarantee of safety no matter where you are. Let's be honest. Let's be fair no, here. No, but right? that much, you know. Right. That, that much, though, that number of incidences that's a lot I mean once too um, many but I'm just saying right for sure yeah. and I mean in like 1976 Deborah Gardner um, was found dead in her home in Tonga and it was later discovered that it was actually she was actually killed by her fellow Peace Corps member Dennis Priven um, and they actually the, the, he was tried in a Tongan court uh, but actually his sentence was uh, overthrown by, by reason of insanity so needless to say there's no way to ensure safety and that's there's, there's a lot of downsides to the Peace Corps but it certainly has a positive mission though it depends on your stance on the spreading of democracy and capitalism throughout the world Mm -hmm. and you know again if it was originally intended to be a bludgeon for the cold war ethos Mm -hmm. then you know that's certainly something to be considered but that's that's what i've got in terms of the downsides the negatives of the peace corps the things that are sort of you know probably need to be understood it's you know like i said it's it's certainly a positive organization but it also has its problems president reagan uh, in the 1980s uh, expanded it as we were saying but the peace corps has had lots of different sort of interpretations uh, by different presidents that it's been under just something to be aware of nixon personally hated the peace corps didn't hate it but he didn't he didn't like it. Caroline said that tracks. Um, <laughs> so uh, Nixon did not did not like the Peace Corps, and uh, basically, while he was president, he pretty much hampered its uh, ability to function, put it underneath another organization. Jimmy Carter, on the other hand, absolutely adored the Peace Corps. In fact, his mother had served as a nurse in the program at one point in her life, so that was pretty interesting. And so he was the one who actually made it an independent independent organization with an executive order, and that was passed by Congress in 1981. And uh, after 9-11, you fast forward after 9-11, facing a growing anti-American sentiment around the world, President Bush actually pledged to double the size and budget of the Peace Corps. Uh, And in 2004, the Congress increased the budget to $325 million. So that was the budget then. In 2009, the Peace Corps actually reached its an all-time high number of members at 15,384. So it's not a small organization by mm-hmm. any means. I mean, it's a pretty big organization. But by 2013, it had uh, decreased to about 9,000. And uh, interestingly enough, you know, obviously over the last six years, seven years, it's been sort of back and forth. President Obama wanted to like increase the funding to over 400 million. They didn't ever really reach that. And no president has 
publicly come out since then as saying like the Peace Corps is bad. I mean, even President Trump, you know, had not much to say about it, and neither did neither has Biden. But of course, in March of 2020, all Peace Corps members were pulled out of the field and flown mm-hmm. back to the United States um, because of the coronavirus pandemic, and that's kind of where we stand. Are there not a lot of active Peace Corps projects right now? I think they're working to try to get back out there and 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 re you know reestablish connections with the world. But that's that's the Peace Corps. Uh, that is yeah. one of the enduring legacies of John F. Kennedy's presidency. I think it's a neat organization, and I do think that it could be, especially right now, you know, it could be a really positive thing for yeah. I think so too. So there you go. That's the Peace Corps as far as I know it, you know, and it's certainly interesting. Uh, It is someone from the Peace Corps that's either volunteered or someone that works with the organization to come on and chat. Yeah, I think that would be cool. You know, certainly um, they might be willing to do so. I again, like I said, during this this you know this podcast, I have not meant at all to you know disparage the Peace Corps in any way. I'm just trying to present no, the facts as yeah, I've no, no, no. the yeah. facts as I've read them and and the, the facts as I've understood them because you know, it, like I said, like any organization, it has its bright spots and it has mm-hmm. its downsides. You know, it is a it is a, a government organization. It is you know funded by taxpayers, and so you know that inf- all that information is public um, and it needs to be. Um, yeah. But it, like I said, overall, I think the Peace Corps has been a, po- a positive. Positive on on the American experiment, and it certainly is one of the positive impacts of JFK's presidency. And interesting, just how it came to be, you know. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, Pryor, so much for sharing. And yeah, uh, I really appreciate it. It was time for a Peace Corps episode for sure. And you, it was time for the Peace Corps. Time for us to join in, join hands, and talk about peace. That's right. That's right. Well, until next time. Thanks again. It has been it has been a party and a half. It has. It really has. And now you're going to go watch a French movie, you said? Going to watch a French film, yeah. we're gonna. What French film are we watching? Caroline, what French film are we watching? Cachet. Is it in French? It's in French, yes. You don't speak French. They so have subtitles. subtitles. Okay. Caroline speaks French, though, right? Oh, yes. Fluently. That's so cool. I want to do that. All right. Thank you guys for listening, and I will talk to you soon. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Vote for Kennedy. Keep America strong. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.